Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This sermon from Sunday, November 20th, continues our series, Stories of Hope. It's titled Stories of the End and takes a look at the story of the end when Christ is declared Lord once and for all. Pray with me. Wonderful God, thank you for this morning, for the privilege of getting talked to these brothers and sisters, for the opportunity today, Lord, to uh, open up a new space in our minds where we might also find uh, a place in our hearts uh, to claim you as Lord. Uh, thank you. Amen. So 100 years ago, we left an atomistic universe. We left behind a single particle way of understanding and entered into a whole new reality. Now, we're trailing the physicists as we always have, uh, but what they found out and what they've been trying to affirm for a century and what we're trying to catch up on is the nature of capital T truth colors us, changes us, but is also discerned by some pretty subjective people. So to the answer, for example, is light a wave or particle? The only proper answer is um, yes. <laughs> the only proper answer is uh, tell me more about you and what you're looking for. Tell me more what you think. Uh, tell me more about your subjectivity. Yes, it's both light and particle. It's, excuse me, and wave. And so our measurements, uh, the self we bring to talking about truth matters. I bring that up because this is, this is Christ the King Sunday, uh, where we come to a place to say, Jesus is Lord. It's quite a declaration. Uh, it's quite a unique claim. It changes our lives. It's also a claim about truth. We're at 11.59 on the clock. We're the last Sunday. Let me be the first one to wish you a happy new year. And we should, have, we should have communion servers with trays of champagne and uh, little whistles and things. This is, we start next year into the greatest story ever told once again. We finish at the end of this day in this worship with a stamp of, and Jesus is Lord. And if we can get there and our own affirmations, uh, it's a great way to set ourselves up uh, for the next piece. What does it take to be confident enough, given the multitudes that we know, to say Jesus is Lord, this is Christ the Sovereign Sunday, or some call it the Reign of Christ. That's because Jesus was a male Nazarene, walking around, killed by the state for his teachings, and the risen Christ is a second thing. We talk about the historical Jesus and the Christ of faith when Paul talks about us being the body of Christ, the resurrected body of Christ, it's a spiritual reality we affirm every time we're together. Jesus Christ is our shorthand. And so while Jesus is male, Christ, if you want to call this Christ the Queen Sunday, I'm right with you. Our body has either no gender or both genders, or by now you're saying, Pastor Don, this is exactly the problem with heteronormativity. Exactly the problem with a phony binary thinking about reality. 
We know it's more than that. Um, some have said our Christ the sovereign uh, is a better answer to that, or the reign of Christ, the celebration of who we are as the body of Christ, male and female, God's presence, divine presence here, uh, taking on human form. How can we say uh, Jesus is Lord? How do we get there? Today, how do we get to a song I'm going to teach you, and your part is Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory. Um, and then today, really, because this is what my own claim of lordship is wrapped up in, how can we deal with the exclusionary claims of Christianity? How can we deal with the atomistic, traditional Christian affirmation uh, when we know reality all around us, in our families, in our universe, is more than one. And if you think we can do that in one sermon, you're crazy. But here we are, here we are. Uh, I've been talking about the end because at the end of the liturgical year, the texts lead us to the lordship, the queenship, the all wrapped in oneness, so we can make an acclamation before we start becoming students again and hearing once again. And so at the end, both chronologically of all things, as well as the end purpose. What am I here for? What are you here for? To what end is New Hope worshiping this morning? The answer is, we want to say, Jesus is Lord. I'm practiced in endings. I've had classes on endings. That's what interim pastors do with both senses of the end. To say, my time with you is going to end on a certain date not too far away. And by the way, that knowledge should help us together work on our ends. What are we working towards? By the way, I've had a, a handful of people over the last few weeks asking me this. Don, couldn't you just be our called pastor? Sweet. You're either um, stroking my ego, which is a colossal bad use of your time, um, or you're deeply cynical about the process and just want it to end. And I would encourage you to be patient and listen. The process does work. Um, impermanence. Attachment. You see, um, I would not, under any circumstance, I could not, I should not, be your permanent pastor. We have a contract together, you and I. Only a couple of you signed it, but signed it on your behalf about why my time with you will end in the summer or whenever it is. Um, it's about attachment. You guys, you guys are like a loving family who, seeing a dog of a certain age, it's a German shepherd because Shrum used to have a C in it and because I'm a shepherd, um, who seeing a dog of a certain age have said, I wonder if my family would enjoy having a dog. And so you take a dog from a shelter for a season because they're wondering, can this dog be adopted permanently? And you take it in. And you say, oh, I think this goes well. I think the kids might help take care of it. I think we can put up with the smell. I think we can learn. All, all of that is there, right? Um, or, or if you like, uh, you're the dog. And I am the... Analyst, this is actually Sigmund Freud, uh, employed by the Committee on Ministry of Denver Presbyterian. And we see, 
If the puppy can learn to enjoy head scratches and games of fetch, to see if the puppy can attach to another owner and be prepared for full adoption, to see if the puppy can uh, take a little bit of discipline without too much biting, <laughs> too much fighting. This is uh, attachment theory is, um, is Freud. Uh, to the endlessly interesting question of, uh, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with me? Attachment theory says, uh, tell me about your mom. Make relationships and how those got lost and whether you were able to use those same skills later in life. Tell me about your friendships and the deep problems. We say, well, what happened was she never learned how to attach. She got hurt too badly. That's why the marriage is a mess 40 years later. Attachment theory. When I tell uh, Annalie Noble, your Committee on Ministry representative, and I said, yeah, I've had a few people um, ask me if I could be the permanent pastor. She goes, oh, uh, that's good. Uh, keep on telling them you're leaving. Right? That's COM saying we're checking to see if the skills are there to attach and love and belong because it's a really good sign for the future if you can bring those skills forward, all right? And find another owner to do important ministry with, to play fetch with. Yeah, I think it's better when you're the dog, actually. So, yeah. We're already on to the next step, folks. You voted on your PNC in two weeks on the 4th of December. We're going to have a listening session down in Kane Hall for 45 minutes. This is your PNC's first chance as a team to hear your joys, concerns, your wonderments, your plans. And it's really okay if we don't all get there on that day because we're going to have other meetings online as well. We'll have conversations as they begin working through their first steps, which is about 12 questions that we'll be telling you about in weeks to come. So make a plan for a couple uh, weeks out. All right, we're at the end, but we're oddly at the beginning of the New Testament. The earliest books, as I was telling you about the chronology of how the New Testament uh, was written. Raise your hand if you're a Jeopardy fan. Did you pay attention to what happened this week about the Bible and Jeopardy? <laughs> this is the same issue with Colossians. So Jeopardy, the last question was, uh, what book of the New Testament contains more Old Testament references than any other? And they all put their answers, all three got it wrong. Uh, and the right answer uh, was Hebrews. My Twitter feed blew up because no one really thinks Paul wrote Hebrews. Um, so this tension is here with Colossians as well. Gets attributed to Paul, but most say, uh, different, different vocabulary, different syntax. Thank you for giving him attribution, but really. So Jeopardy makes a mistake. We're going today uh, to the earlier part of the New Testament in the 50s. But the interesting part about this text you just heard is it's being quoted like everyone knows it, like a hymn, which means it'd have to be around for a number of years prior to Paul's actual relaying of it here, or whoever's relaying of it in Colossians. This is called the Christ hymn. It's a powerful philosophical piece, and that's where we are today. Uh, anchor on this. He is the image of the invisible God. What a great thing to say. No one can know or see God, 
But we say, nah, he is Lord, meaning if you look at Jesus Christ, uh, that's how you see the invisible. Firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. Beautiful things, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers, queens, kings. All things have been created through him and for him. This is a remarkably high Christology. He himself is before all things, and here's the sentence, and in him all things hold together. When I'm singing with you in a few minutes, uh, he is king and Lord, my mess of a mind and life philosophically is saying, but I know this, in him all things hold together uh, for me. He's the head of the body, the church. This is, a, this is a commentary on how natural birth happens. The head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn, because that's what get born first, unless you're what they're thinking about, born like Caesar with a surgical process, and you're born Caesarean. Christ is the firstborn, is the head. All the fullness of God pleased to dwell through him. Here's your other phrase. God was pleased to reconcile to himself lots of things. Through him, God was reconciling most things. Through Jesus Christ, God's reconciling to God's self everything. I don't know how else to say that. But keep that in mind about, about what all is excluded from Christ in God, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. We've got a little problem. Two problems with Christianity. The first biggest one, I believe, is suffering. <laughs> uh, that's, it's, a, it's a problem. It's the biggest problem with religion. And I also believe, by the way, our orthodox understanding of suffering uh, is inadequate and hasn't served us well. I've had to, I spent too many years with people weeping across from me in my office uh, asking the most important question in life. That's why I never say anymore, God is in control. Oh, God's trying to teach you something through this. Oh, don't you know every cloud has a silver lining? These sentences even now make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Um, what a problem. It's a huge problem. I, I can't cover it this morning. <laughs> um, I can't cover it. We're going to skip it. We're going to skip it because the other huge problem, as I understand it, about Christianity, the reason why most of your kids and grandchildren adequately, and we've totally avoided pluralism. But these are two realities in their lives, and we've failed them. Today, I'm just trying to pick up on this exclusive claim of Christianity when your kids and grandkids know that there's God elsewhere too. The light is both particle and wave. That reality itself is more than one. And once again, our, on our physics, we have to lay philosophy. That's where I am today, so it's such a heady thing. Philosophy, we got to take care of that because our theology is utterly dependent on our philosophy. All right. How do we say Lord? I think there's two ways dealing with pluralism. By the way, we'll get to suffering at some point. If you're thinking, well, he skipped over that. I got questions. Uh, because remember, it, uh, coming real soon is the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. Lent starts late February. 
And as we draw to the cross is when I want to pick up suffering because, well, you're in the mood then. Uh, Advent's my second most favorite time, but no one wants to talk about suffering. Have you, have you seen the hallway decorations? I mean, come on. Um, so we're with pluralism and lordship, how to say, he's my one way. Of the two answers, and we're both in Scripture today, through him God was pleased to reconcile to God's self every every stinking thing, nothing excluded. It's the universe, uh, universalist answer, right? There's only one, one Lord, and when I say Christ in my life, everything is encompassed in this. This is the universalist answer. <laughs> Maybe it's a, the wave answer to light. That when I say Christ, I'm including Buddhists and Hindus. I'm including even non-Presbyterians, Right? We, have, we are living in this room, the increasing circle of your grandparents who were scandalized because the Presbyterian married the Methodist. Oh, no. And for our kids, you come to me in my office and say, oh, my, my kids uh, marrying a Catholic. Oh, no, a Catholic. And now you know your grandkids are marrying non-Christians and atheists. We've had to keep on expanding our circle. Universalist says, that's good. Have you read C.S. Lewis' uh, Last Battle from the Chronicles of Narnia? Where is it? Uh, Tash, I can't remember the name of the other god. And the hero with the kids is saved by Aslan because Aslan says, listen, I'm Lord of all. And this hero, even in worshiping Tash, was worshiping me. We all love C.S. Lewis until that last book and then some of us lost our minds and said, wait a minute, for me to say, Lord, I have to be the only one who's right. There's got to be folks who are dead, capital D, eternally dead, wrong, for me to enjoy having a Lord. What a weird philosophical stance. I know universalists, there, there are some in this very room. Verily I say to you, I have supped with universalists. I've been a universalist at times, it, whose, whose minds are twisted and infected with the grace and love of Jesus Christ. It so permeates their being, this love, that they can't imagine why there would be a God who would send anybody to hell. Are you, have you read Jesus? I get it, this inclusive pluralist answer. This, whatever we mean, it's got to cover all of that, is wonderful. And here it is, because there are none, there's nothing that isn't being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's the scriptural stance. All right? Beautiful. Here's the other answer, the particle answer, or what I'd call particularism. And this is where some of us are driven by grace as well. He's my Lord and Savior, and He's the only way I'm getting there. He puts it all together. I'm so messed up because I've read too much, because I've been around too many of you all, you all, and the way you love and follow Jesus, that whatever that pluralism is, I know that in Christ, it's somehow all things are held together. And you can pick from one or the other. It's not like everything's relative, but I know I can't expect a simple single answer for reality that's literally not the way the universe works. So tell me more. Tell me more about your Episcopal faith. It's different than mine. Tell me more about your uh, Buddhism. Because God works in specific, particular ways when you look at reality. 
Uh, and Christ is the one who mysteriously puts these things together. Lastly, New Hope already has this as one of our uh, key values, a bigger table, a broader table. Everyone's welcome. I'm about to tell you why inclusion isn't enough, so pay attention as I close. I've lived here for years, and inclusion, in my experience, is always nothing more or less than anybody regarding your skin color, your gender, your gender identity, your gender attraction, your politics, your size, your abilities. Everyone in all of creation is invited to come here and be just like me. It, it doesn't quite ring for me. It's really a good step. I want a broadest table as possible. The second answer, the pluralist particle answer, is harder for, for this on me because I want, I, I, apparently my ego needs to be right and that requires someone else to be wrong. It's a, it's a brokenness in me. I, I, the hard wire, it's, it's screwed up in here. It's because my ego is connected to my head. But in Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, capital T Truth, said, I'm daring to become one person flesh. Vulnerable, specific, particular. I get that it's a mystery. <laughs> I wish we had on our statement, we, because we are days from setting this up, just days from the best example of this. We not only believe in a big table, we believe that sometimes we've got to set up a crummy little card table, a kid's table, I was always crazy Uncle Don. I always got put with the kids anyway. Um, it, because it was a little more fun, frankly. We should be a church that says, not only do we cast out a big table, we know that we've got to change things around and we've got to sit. It, it was going to look so nice. We were all going to be the same. It would have been great. Instead, a card table, side chairs, crowds. No, none, no, none of your plates match. <laughs> You know, you don't get the crystal. You're at the kid's table. That's, what you, that, that's a tumbler. Let me bring the turkey to you because the weight of the turkey won't be handled on the table. We, we get this metaphor. We're about to open up our family and divide ourselves. More on this another time. Confuse our identity a little because in God's name, uh, there's more than one. You're wondering, well, I want to say Lord in my life, but I get that there's other ways as well. It doesn't get any more certain than that. Go online, listen to the darn sermon ten times. It won't get any more certain than that. There is mystery. There is an answer outside of you. And you're invited to either reject it or invited to say, wow, um, apparently reality and even how God works is more than the oneness and the security and the ego feeding that I sought. What a, is, is that the way I would run religion if I was in charge? I'm not sure it is, but there it is. Reality is plural. Following Jesus Christ requires us to, to put aside some pieces. Uh, if, we're calling it, if, we're, if we're calling it faith rather than um, duh, it's because it requires something of us. You can't just crank through and arrive at the final answer. It will always require of you 
a step into uncertainty and gracious acceptance of someone else, even though it's a threat, you think it's a threat to your ego. Um, When I say my Lord, uh, when I say my Lord, one of the main things that means is um, I don't get to be Lord anymore. Darn it. I need a Lord. I need someone to wrap up my desires, my insecurities, my heartfelt seeking for truth and the, and the mystery. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.